Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2, and verses 20 through 22. These are the words of God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. As we enter into a new year, I'm going to be sharing a series of uh, what I'm calling one-off messages, just a few thoughts that I'd like to share with the church, uh, that I'd like to teach you uh, to start our 2021 off in, in a way that I believe is the right direction. As is always the case, I believe that what I'm saying or what I share uh, will be helpful for your walk in Christ. Uh, Barney said something when he first came on staff, uh, and we knew that he would be teaching. Uh, he said, I want to make sure that I teach because uh, I have something to say, not just to say something, okay? And so uh, I hope you know that anytime we get up here, our hearts are in a place where we don't believe we're just here to say something. It's not just routine. It's just not, not just to go through the motions. It is because we have uh, worked through things, prayed through things, studied God's word, and uh, believe that we have something to say. So uh, so that being said, over the next couple of weeks, barring any interruptions, we will be dealing with these uh, one-off messages to kind of uh, work our way through uh, our walk in Christ uh, in 2021. Both this week and next, we'll, um, we'll connect uh, in their theme, and the theme is blessing the Lord. Uh, the text that we're going to be using, of course, you know already is Psalm 103, and today I want to talk to you about our call to bless the Lord. It's a calling on all of our lives. Next week, we're going to learn the why behind that calling, or maybe a better way to say that is we're going we're to talk about what truly motivates us to bless the Lord. And you can find all of this in Psalm 103. I encourage you to study it yourself. I think the question, uh, I think a good question for us to ask every day of our lives is how can I, as a Christian, bless the Lord? Uh, it's interesting because we're not asking the question, how can God bless us? That, that's a thing, right? He does bless us. He cares for us. He loves us. But how can we bless the Lord? This really should be a question that we ask each and every day. It's not just a question for Sundays. It's not just a question for the new year. It's a question that should, uh, should motivate us all the time. How can we bless the Lord as we move forward? So I want to challenge you to that. I don't know how you are with New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you care about that kind of thing, but um, I would challenge you to ask this every day. Write it on your mirror at home, right? Use toothpaste. I don't care, but write, say, remind yourself to ask the question, how can I bless the Lord today? How can I bless him? Uh, we're certainly called to this act. As we just read in Psalm 103, David's call to bless the Lord is undeniable. Uh, he is he not only commands that we do this, he does so, um, he commands himself to do it with all that is within him. And I, I love that. Every ounce, every part of who David is, he wants to bless the Lord. The term uh, here, every ounce or uh, 
the idea of all that is within him, that term or that phrase, because it's really hard to translate, um, is commonly translated as one's conscience. So what David is saying is that um, he, he wants to praise God from the innermost part of who he is. I believe that that's what the King James would translate it to say, from all my innermost. The Apostle Paul said that the goal of Christian teaching was to produce love from a pure heart. That's the first thing that Christian teaching should produce. Love from a pure heart, a good conscience... So what is this when we connect the dots? It's a healthy innermost being. Good Christian teaching should create healthy hearts, right? Should create healthy minds. And then that is where our actions flow from. And then uh, good Christian teaching will also create a sincere faith. Why does good Christian teaching create a sincere faith? Because faith is not blind, church. Right? We may not always see, it's not blind, those are very different things. We learn what to have faith in or what to place our trust in because God's word tells us what to put our trust in, right? So you, you've, you've heard this, I've harped on it a lot, you've heard pastors and teachers say, jump and the net will appear. Trust me when I say this, don't jump unless God said there's a net there. Otherwise, your butt's going to hurt, right? right? It is, this is not good. We don't jump unless God says so. And most of the Christian life or most of the Christian world today seems to believe that faith is just cross your fingers, jump, and God will support your jump. He might not support your jump. Okay, so let's make sure we understand this. So good Christian teaching will produce love from a pure heart. It will produce a healthy inner being, right? And it will produce a sincere faith because you'll actually know what you're resting on. This matches perfectly with the whole of God's word too because we know that our call is to love the Lord our God with all of us, right? Our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. We're supposed to love him with our entire innermost being. That, again, our conscience. Uh, going even further with this, David commands every work of God's hands to do the same. That is, to bless him. Every work of God's hands is uh, tasked with the responsibility to bless him. You and I constitute works of his hands, amen? Amen. We are a work of God, and so we are to bless God. So it's not just David's task to do this. It is absolutely ours every day. I'm a pretty cautious person when it comes to uh, my participation in man-made creeds or man-made confessions. I think that well-meaning people, oftentimes with creeds and confessions, I think well-meaning people have derailed key biblical ideas because they're trying to improve on what God says, like they've got some sort of great editing skill, (laughs) and they're trying to say, God, what you meant to say was this. Um, I'm not saying all are that way. I'm just saying a lot of times we get derailed from this, but it seems that Psalm 103 uh, definitely helped inform the Westminster uh, Catechism uh, when the Westminster Catechism calls what the Westminster Catechism calls the chief end of man. The chief end of man is to, according to this confession, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To bless the Lord. That is our responsibility. That is our goal. And that's why we were created. I love this idea. There is more to it than that, but that is what we're supposed to do. So you and I, we are the works of God's hands. We are to bless him. But what does it mean to bless God exactly? 
Did God sneeze? Right? Bless you, Lord. Okay, we're done. We've got this figured out. No, 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 no. And this is where we have to rightly divide God's word. The first way that we bless the Lord is actually to praise him verbally. Some of the things I'm going to share today might be a little bit uh, mind-bending to you. You may never have heard this before, but I encourage you to test it. I encourage you to challenge me on it. I encourage you to study this with me because it comes, um, it comes as a result of many hours of looking at these ideas. So the first way to bless the Lord is to praise him verbally. The Hebrew term to bless is barakah. I'm not going to try to pronounce it with all the spit either. But right, So barakah, and it's used countless times in Jewish prayers and songs. Um, for example, in a weekly uh, in a weekly Shabbat meal, there's a candle lighting that launches the, the Shabbat meal. There's the Kadesh or the blessing over the wine. Um, there is also a breaking of bread. This is where we get the communion idea. Uh, then we have uh, the Havdalah, which is the main blessing. But each of these segments of Shabbat begin with this phrase or these words, Barak Atah Adonai Elohino. What does that mean? It roughly translates, blessed are you the eternal or blessed are you Lord our God. See, verbal blessings are constantly given throughout tradition, through, through everything that Jewish people did and what early Christians would do. We are to bless the Lord. But we have to go further than this to see that it is what we're called to because every one of the Psalms is a verbal blessing to God. Every one of the songs is a praise you or bless the Lord moment. We see about every main character in the Bible blessing the Lord as well. So you can see it in maybe Moses' song or maybe Miriam's song. You go through the scriptures and you will see these blessings, blessing the Lord happening over and over. But why verbal blessings? That's an interesting question. Why do we have to, why do we have to speak? Why do we have to use our mouths, especially for those of us who can't sing? Why do we have to sing in words? No, I'm just I'm teasing you, right? Doesn't God already know our thoughts? Of course he knows your thoughts. Are words of affirmation simply God's love language and he just needs to hear them to feel happy? No, <laughs> right? It's not the case. As image bearers, and this is where it starts to get a little heady, right? As image bearers, you and I were created to reflect into the world, every part of God's nature, every part of his uh, character, okay? And one of those pieces is his declarative nature. You know that God created the world because he spoke it into existence, right? Let there be light. Okay. So God has this declarative nature. He has this way of doing things. And we are supposed to be a part of that. Every time we utter blessing, or, or curse for that matter, we function like our Heavenly Father. God blessed everything once he created it. He actually called you good at one point. <laughs> Just remember that was one point. <laughs> right? It drastically changed, right? So I, I embraced my girls when they came into life. I held them. I was like, these kids are sweet, and they lost that. I don't know what happened. It just disappeared somewhere around the day they got home at our house, right? So God blessed everything that he created through the word of his mouth. And when we praise him, church, when we praise him, we're operating in this same function. Much of what we know to be good is because God declared it as good, right? Isn't that cool? So declaration matters. But please hear me. You've got to hear me. 
I am not talking about speaking things into existence. That is God's job alone, and to believe otherwise is just plain stupid. You will not create a mountain by speaking to it. You may be able to move it, but this idea of speaking things into existence is all kinds of new age and world philosophy that has found its way inside the church, and it's just downright dumb, right? What I'm referring to is the idea that there are power, there is power in our words. Did you know that? There's power in our words. Power uh, to bless. How many of you have ever spoken blessing to somebody and you see them change? You see their life change. There's something that happens. You also know that we have power to curse. How many of you know that that's true? Many people have dealt with that with family life. Maybe, the, maybe you were verbally abused and those curses, those things affected you and maybe they still affect you. We have the power to build people up. We have the power to tear them down. This is the power of a declarative nature that we have. This is all about function, mind you, right? Contrary to tradition, image bearing has nothing to do with how we look or how we appear. God is really not some old guy with a big white flowing beard in the sky. (laughs) It's not actually who he is. How do we know that it's not to do with image bearing? Well, first, God made male and female, both in his image, and we don't look the same. I don't know if you noticed this yet, (laughs) right? We don't look the same. That's not how that works. There's a strong case, actually, and if you want to spend time talking to me about it, I'd love to engage with you on this. There's a strong case to be made that the angels, too, are made in the image of God. You see, when, when Scripture says, let us make man in our image, uh, that passage far extends beyond the Trinity. It extends way beyond the Trinity. You just have to know what you're studying to see it. And it is amazing when you do see it. So there's a case to be made that even the angels bear this particular image. But that we'll have to wait for another time. Because if I dive into that now, Jacob will fall asleep on me. So instead, our I'm teasing you, but instead, our image-bearing nature has to do with the function we perform. Now, does everything God made have a function? Yes, but we have a unique one, okay? So keep this in your mind, right? Uh, This is what makes us truly unique. Contrary to old arguments, um, free will and a soul are not what make us unique from everything else. It's not. I can actually argue you completely out of both of those, right? Not that you don't have free will, but that a soul is unique to us or that free will is even unique to us. We can talk about that at length, Unlike the rest of creation, human beings were made to rule and to reign as extensions of our Heavenly Father. This is a big responsibility, church. This is nothing small. And what's amazing about it is you were born with it. It doesn't grow over time. I love this idea. It, it doesn't grow over time. You don't look more like God in this respect. You don't have more of his image the older you get. You, just like the Bible says about Adam and Eve when Seth came about, it said that Seth was created or born in Adam's image. It's just bam, done. Isn't that amazing? And the same thing is true for you. We were born in this image. We're created to bear this image. 
And that image, again, has to do with functions. We're an extension of our Heavenly Father. Taking these facts into consideration, there should be a lot of weight placed on what we say as image bearers. If we, if we hold part of the function of God, oh boy, we better be careful because what we say, our words are a part of that function. We not only praise God with words, but what we say or confess, as it were, uh, has bearing on our salvation. I know that this is challenging for some, but the Bible is clear. We must confess Christ as Lord to be saved, Romans 10.9. So what you say matters. God's word also teaches us that we can say to a mountain move or concerning church discipline, and not outside of this context, please hear me, we can bind and loose things on earth. It's within the context of church discipline. Okay, So this is really important. The list goes on and on about what we have uh, power to do with our words. So the power of words extends to the negative, though, as well. James, is, James tells us that we can burn down the course of life with our tongue, specifically through the idea of gossip and slander. How many of you have been the recipients of slander and gossip? Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Now, tell me something. Has this hurt you deeply? Yeah. Number one, why would we do it? We've been hurt by it. Why would we do it? And number two, that is the power of words. There are people all the time in the news, kids, youth, teenagers, that they kill themselves. They commit suicide. Why? Because of the power of words. Because somebody curses them and beats them down. Listen, cursing is not dropping the F-bomb, okay? You know what that's called? Using crude language, right? This is words that have no meaning most of the time. We're idle chatter. Cursing is something where you're bringing down judgment and condemnation on someone. And there are so many kids who endure this. So many of us who have endured it. So why would we, why would we repeat that? Well, we shouldn't. And as image bearers, we better be careful with the words that we speak. This is also why the scripture tells us not to bear uh, false witness and why the scripture tells us not to levy accusations against people lightly. Why? Because you will crush them. You will crush them. You can set on fire the course of their life straight downhill because you said something that wasn't true about them. That's amazing. I've been there. I'm looking at you. I know that you've been there too. It's hard stuff. We have power in this. And as image bearers, we better take that responsibility seriously. So, so verbal praising, verbal blessing the Lord is a part of what we do. The second way we bless the Lord is to obey or to carry out his word. To bless the Lord is a thing defined by God. Okay? I need you to give me an amen on this. Blessing the Lord is a thing defined by God. Amen? Not by you. Not by me. I don't just get to make this idea up. Notice what David says again in verses 20 through 22. Bless the Lord. I've highlighted bless the Lord in this one. And in the next slide, I'm going to show you something uh, important. But here's what he says. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
But look at what bless the Lord means in each one of those verses. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word. See, there's a definition to what's happening. The angels of verse 20 are to bless him in doing his word and obeying its voice. I love two things about this. Number one, I love the fact that, uh, that the word has its own voice here. The word has its own voice. Why? Well, it shouldn't be a surprise to us. Who is the word? King Jesus is the word. John 1.1. 1, 1. The word was God. And so the word does have his own voice. He says what he wants, and it's good. Okay? So we have that. The second thing that's amazing is that David is commanding angels to do something. It's amazing. David is looking at Michael, Gabriel, bless the Lord. That's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing to me. They are uh, servants of God, and they... Need reminded, I don't know what it is, but David declares it. Bless the Lord, you angels. Bless the Lord. Here's where we have to stay focused, though. With each command to bless the Lord in these verses, David follows it with the characterization of the particular blessing. Verse 20, to bless the Lord equals doing his will. Verse 21, to bless the Lord is to carry out God's word. You see, to bless the Lord is not left up to interpretation. Ephesians 2.10 tells us exactly what we're doing in blessing the Lord. I love it. We are his workmanship, church, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And Paul goes on to talk about how this is glorifying to God. This is what it means to bless the Lord. So that's our second way of doing, uh, uh, of blessing the Lord. We, we do it as per God's definition. Whatever he says, it's an action also, not just words. Finally, to bless the Lord is to bear his image in its truest sense. In verse 22, David says this, All of God's works, that is every created thing, is to bless him in all places of his dominion. Now, that just sounds like God saying just do it everywhere. Well, yes but more, okay? In a sense, each one of us has a station in life. How many of you know that? You have a station in life. You have a position. You have a rank. You have a a place that God has put you. You have a station, and in that station, you are to do what God says. So the station is what Scripture is talking about, what David is saying here. God has given a purpose, and he will fulfill his goals through you in your station. So you do your thing in your station. This is what it means to bless the Lord. We've all heard that creation declares the glory of God, right? Creation declares the glory of God. Or that it proclaims his work. But how does it do that? The short answer is this. It functions according to its design. That's it. How does a squirrel bless the Lord? (laughs) By being a squirrel. Annoying as crazy as they are. They are blessing the Lord by what they do. Isaiah 61.11, uh, part B of that verse says this, So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. How is it that praise and righteousness are going to spring up before all the nations? Because he's planted us in every nation. He's planted his creation in every nation. And so praise will arise with what God is doing. 
God ordained praise because he ordained the function of all things. All seeds produce fruit. And if they don't, Jesus said, fine, the rocks will cry out. I don't want to be out-worshipped by a rock. I know that's an age-old statement. But I don't want to be out-worshipped by a rock. I don't want to be, I don't want a rock to bless the Lord better than I do. But unless we're submitted to King Jesus, that's exactly what is the case, right? This is why operating in our function uh, or operating in a function other than what God has designed is problematic. Paul titles this operating in a different function. He titles it as missing the mark as sin and falling short of the glory of God. What happened in the fall? We fell short of the created purpose and function we had. What was Adam supposed to do? Keep your head on straight, bud, and rule and reign. Do your job. Don't do this. Oops. He just goes off and does something else. So God reorients Adam and Eve. He puts us back in this place and says, get back to your job. Get back to the function. But now there's a, there's a tragedy that happens. Now death occurs, and now the temple is closed, right? There's no access to God in the right way. So he closes this off, and Adam and Eve, they have to work, and they have to sweat, and they have to bleed, and they have to go through all of this pain because they didn't do their function. It's not just because they ate a fruit that was more enticing or something like this, right? So let's get specific here for the sake of example. How does a tree bless God, church? It, It grows. It bears fruit according to its kind. That's it. Apple trees do not strain to please God there's an apple. It doesn't happen, okay? They just live. Ultimately, that's what we're supposed to do under God's plan. We screwed it up, and now we strive, and now we yearn, and now we do a lot of things that make everything harder, right? So, next question. How do the heavens bless God, church? They serve in their functional capacity. They mark signs and seasons. God said to do it. They do it. It's never changed. How do we as image bearers bless God? The answer is as simple as this. We function according to design. I'm not talking about being robots here. I'm talking about being the only creation that God says, I want you to represent me in leading. That's a huge deal, church. We rule and we reign. We're not. We give ourselves to God's plan to be fruitful and multiply. We're not. We subdue the world. We're not because we're not operating in our function. We just keep walking around saying, I look like God. I look like Jesus. I look like my heavenly father. You don't if you don't do. This is why faith without works is dead. It's not, they don't follow (laughs) if you don't do. So, We are to function according to God's purposes. That's what it means to bless the Lord. This uh, this does consist of a specific design for our lives. But now I need everybody's attention. I need you to look up at me. I need you to stare into these blue eyes for just a second. That's the color in case you didn't know that. But here we go. The biblical idea of purpose has been co-opted by our hyper-individualized culture, okay? Many Christians have so overcomplicated this purpose question that 
in some ways, they've ruined their ability to even please God, okay? They, they can't bless the Lord rightly because they're consumed with a wrong agenda. Like most things, we've turned purpose around to be all about me, 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 me. You know this is true. Every commercial is driven for you. What is my purpose in life? As if you were created, independent of God, to have your own goals. You're not. Can I get an amen? You're not, whether Sesame Street told you that or not. You're not, whether your kid's teacher in church or in school taught you that or not. We've overcomplicated this. We've said, uh, what is my purpose? As if, uh, again, God says, I want you to have your own aims. This is not what the Bible teaches in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, our plans, according to the scripture, are to be submitted to God. And, Lord willing, we will do this or that. Lord willing, we will do this or that. Even the smallest of thing, like, uh, well, in a year or so, I'd like to travel here or I'd like to travel there. You should always add this addendum to your statement, Lord willing, right? He is in control, church. We've also made purpose far too specific. We're basically asking a modified version of that grade school question. What do you want to be when you grow up? But don't worry, we've spiritualized it. And so we say, what does God want me to be when I grow up? As if God's going to answer the question with like, oh, I want you to be an astronaut, Jimmy. I want you to be a firefighter, Timmy. No such thing is going to happen. This is rarely the case if it does, okay? Are there people throughout human history for which God called them to a specific task? Of course there are. Absolutely there are. Does he still do this today? Absolutely he does. Is this the case for everyone? Emphatically no. Emphatically no. I know that this is a Debbie Downer here, but most likely... (laughs) And we're going to talk about this a lot next week. Most likely, at the end of your life, you will die. That's the end of your life, by the way. And before two generations, you will be forgotten. No one will remember you ever again. What, Nathan? This is dumb. You're not making me feel good. I'm not here to make you feel good. What, what I'm here to tell you, and I'm not here to punish you or to hurt you either. What I'm here to tell you is that we've reversed the idea. We've made everything in life about us. What's my purpose? What is my legacy? What is my addition to life? And God goes, what is my goal? What is my aim? You don't know anymore because you don't think about me. All you do is think about you. You, 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 you. What do I want you to be when you grow up? An image bearer. What is an image bearer? One who rules and reigns. One who functions according to God's purpose. Moms, I want you to hear this. You are the most glorious human being in the world when you love your kids, you raise your kids, and you do mom stuff. But you've been lied to according to the culture. And here's what you've been lied to. Here's how you've been lied to. You're not enough. You're not enough. Not the way you are. Same thing happens with men. Guess what? You're supposed to lead your family. No, it's not enough. You need to be this. You need to have an identity of that. You need to move to this or this or this or this. No, no. Just be what God made you to be. If you're a man, be a man. 
Let me say that again. If you're a man, please be a man, okay? Right? Like, do your job. But this is, this is what we are called to do. There are things, however, that are for every image bearer to function in. They're often overlooked. I'm, I'm going to say a word that maybe is weird to you. They're often overlooked because they're just not, not sexy enough. And here's what those things are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want to be an extreme sports guy. Good, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because your sports are going to end when your knees give out. Right? What are you left with? You better be loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. (laughs) Maybe, right? What else are you supposed to do? Don't forget God's benefits. What's my job in life? To always remember God's benefits and to proclaim them to people around. Again, we're going to talk about this in depth next week. We're going to look at the why behind praising or blessing the Lord. Because when we see what God is or who God is and what he has done, it will absolutely motivate you to bless the Lord. David knew it. He understood it very well. So we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're not to forget his benefits. We're to do his will. We're to do it wherever we are. But God, I would do what you asked me to do if I was just given a better lot in life. You were given that lot in life. Smile. Do it. Do it. It's, it's a privilege. I'm going to spend the rest of my life telling you guys that it is a glorious privilege to do what God made you to do. I mean, it's amazing, and it outshadows every goofy idea that we think we need to be according to the culture. I need to be a rock star. No, I just need to be God's. I need to be his image bearer. I need to reflect him well and function in his way. Can you function in his way and be a rock star? Absolutely. If you get to be a rock star, don't forget the church you came from. (laughs) Anyway, the point here is, and tithe frequently. Anyway, I'm just, that's totally stupid, right? When we get this church, it is unbelievably freeing. I'm not a slave to anybody now. I know what God has called me to do, what he's called me to be, and I can be that. So I pray that this year is marked by God's people, by you, doing life his way. I want you to see striving. I want to see striving, quite honestly. I want you to see striving. I want you to just reflect him. I want us to reevaluate everything in our life by asking the question, am I blessing the Lord in this or that? By looking at our lives uh, and asking that question, we will, we will change for the better. We will move in the right direction. So next week, we're going to look at uh, the why behind this. And again, the better way of describing that is uh, what, we're, um, what motivates us to bless the Lord. Um, I, think it's, I think it's worth doing right now, but I want to I share with you, since I brought up, your, I brought up the idea of legacy, in, this won't be on the screen, guys. I apologize. I'm just pulling an audible here. Calling an audible, pulling an, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now, so I'll be all right. So check this out. 
Verse 13 of Psalm 103 says this. It says, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, what I want you to take away, and we'll go in depth on this next week, but I want you to take away is that God actually compares himself to us here. (laughs) Just as an earthly father has compassion on his children, how many of you have compassion on your children? Not, I'm not talking about early morning when they don't listen or when they throw their food all over the church floor, Daniels. Uh, what, I'm, I'm asking something better. I'm, I'm like, how many of you, how many of you have compassion on your children? Our hands should go up. Come on, people. You have compa- If you don't, we need some counseling sessions here, right? We have compassion on our children. And God says, just as you do it, I do it more. I just love that. That's an amazing thing. He doesn't say, oh, you think you have compassion. You worthless worm, you have nothing. He doesn't. He actually says, I'll, just, I'll compare myself to you. You have compassion? How many of you know a father who gives good gifts to his children? Ah, I'm more. I'll give you more. I'll give you the spirit of God. That's an amazing idea, right? So verse 13, he says, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Verse 14, for he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. And here's what I want you to take away as you go today. As you ask the question, what can I do to bless the Lord? I want you to see how God sees you. That verse does not say, God knows your frame, you little piece of dirt. That's what some in the church have made it to say, and they're stupid. This is a bad idea, because it's not what God says, and I can tell you why, because the following verse clears it up. But look at what he is actually saying. He's saying, I'm mindful of you. I know your frame. I know what I built you out of. He's the one who made you out of dust. It's not like he went back and went, crap, bad idea right? He made you out of dust. He breathed into you the breath of life. So he says, I'm mindful that you are frail. I'm mindful that you're not me. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer, but you will be forgotten. Yippee, Nathan. You will be forgotten, but look what it says. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Guess what? He knows your dust. He made you that way. He knows you're frail, but he has compassion, loving kindness to show you and to show your children's children. That's your grandkids in case you can't figure that out. Your children's, this is amazing. And all because of what? Because God is good. God is faithful. God loves us. Why does he love us the way he does? Well, I'll tell you, when you figure it out, it'll cause you to praise him. (laughs) It'll cause you to bless the Lord every day of your life. This is amazing stuff, guys. So the reason I wanted to start the year this way is because I really think we need to reframe what we're seeing. I think we need to reframe our understanding of God. I think we need to reframe what our actual call is because I think we get a little caught up in religious nonsense. We do. And we don't give enough of our attention to the clear biblical calls of our life and what we're supposed to do. 
And we often forget his compassion when we screw it all up, right? He knows you're frail. He knows you're dust. He made you that way. But he's going to perfect you. He's going to mold you. He's going to shape you. You're his image bearer. He's going to use you for his purposes. Amen, church?